1: this is the conference operator. (coughs) Welcome to the third quarter 2021 results conference call for Canadian Utilities Limited. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star, zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Carlin Jackson, Senior Vice President, Finance, Treasury, Risk and Sustainability. Please go ahead Mr. Jackson.
2: Thank you. Good morning everyone. We're pleased you could join us for the Canadian Utilities third quarter 2021 conference call. With me today is Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Brian Skrobot and Executive Vice President, Corporate Development, Bob Miles. Bob leads Canadian Utilities non-regulated energy infrastructure business. Brian will begin today with some opening comments on recent company developments and our financial results, followed by an overview of our energy infrastructure business and our energy transition strategy from Bob. Following these prepared remarks, we will take questions from the investment community. Please note that a replay of the conference call and a transcript will be available on our website at CanadianUtilities.com. And can be found in the investors section under the heading events and presentations. I'd like to remind you all that our remarks today will include forward looking statements that are subject to important risks and uncertainties. For more information on these risks and uncertainties, please see the reports filed by Canadian utilities with the Canadian securities regulators. And finally, I'd also like to point out that during this presentation, we may refer to certain non-GAAP or other financial measures such as adjusted earnings, adjusted earnings per share, funds generated by operations and capital investment. These measures do not have any standardized meaning under IFRS and as a result, they may not be comparable to similar measures presented in other entities. And now, I'll turn the call over to Brian for his opening remarks.
3: Thanks, Colin, and uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you all very much for joining us today for our third quarter 2021 conference call. Canadian utilities achieved adjusted earnings of $88 million or 33 cents per share in the third quarter of 2021. This is $12 million or 5 cents per share higher than the third quarter of 2020. This growth in the third quarter earnings was primarily driven by our Luma Energy investment and continued strong performance from ACOGAS Australia. As we highlighted in the second quarter, Luma Energy assumed full operation of Puerto Rico's electricity transmission and distribution system under the supplemental agreement on June 1st, 2021. As such, marks the first full quarter of operations for our Luma Energy investment driving significant earnings growth for us when compared to the third quarter of 2020. As a reminder, we will continue to operate under the 18-month supplemental agreement until such time that PREPA has concluded its bankruptcy proceedings, at which point we will move directly into the previous executed 15-year operating agreement. While the specific timing for completion of these proceedings is difficult to predict, We continue to expect them to be completed in 2022 and before the completion of the existing 18-month supplemental agreement despite taking on operations of the puerto rico electricity transmission and distribution system only five short months ago we have already made significant and tangible strides system service quality has improved safety performance has improved and we've begun significant system maintenance and repair work, which will help support the long-term stability of the system. There have, however, also been challenges. For example, there have been a number of power outages, particularly in August and September, associated with the lack of sufficient electricity generation. We continue to remind everyone that Luma is not responsible for electricity generation, and that the generation of electricity is the responsibility of PREPA. Prepper, PREPA has had a number of unplanned and forced outages that unfortunately has resulted in the loss of power to many of our customers. As with any undertaking of this scale, there will always be challenges and resistance to change, but we remain committed to putting our heads down and working to meet our commitments to all stakeholders, especially the people of Puerto Rico. Moving on to Australia, our natural gas utility continued to benefit from favorable inflation trends that we saw in the first half of 2021. This upward pressure on CPI along with a cool and wet winter in Australia that saw natural gas demand rise resulted in strong third-court earnings from the business. On the regulatory front, we continue to gain more certainty and prospectivity heading to the end of the year. In September, the AUC issued its decision on the ACCO Transmission 2020-2022 to 2022 General Tariff Application. This decision set electricity transmission's REM requirements through 2022 and provided greater certainty for the business heading into the year. Shifting over to the Pioneer Pipeline, as outlined in our second quarter call, the Commission ruled favourably and approved our acquisition of the line. The AUC also approved our application to transfer the 30-kilometre western segment of the Pioneer Pipeline to Nova Gas Transmission, as this segment is located within NGTL service area. The NGTL is waiting approval from the Canadian Energy Regulator to complete this transaction. We had originally expected this approval to be received in the fourth quarter of this year, but now I believe it's more likely to be received in the first quarter of 2022. We do not expect this delay to have any impact on ultimate approval, nor will it impact our earnings or cash flows related to the Pioneer acquisition. In terms of capital investment, we invested $252 million in our business in the third quarter of 21. Of this $250 million, $217 million were invested in our core utility businesses to assure the continued generation of stable earnings and reliable cash flows. In our energy infrastructure business, we continue to invest in our energy transition strategy in the third quarter. This included an announcement in a renewable natural gas space with our future fuels opportunity and the acquisition of development rights for three solar developments in Alberta, our Empress, Deerfoot and Barlow projects. As we see these developments through to completion and the commencement of operations in 2022, we will simultaneously exploring further opportunities in both renewable energy generation and clean fuel streams of our larger energy transition strategy. To speak more to this strategy and our energy infrastructure business overall, I'll turn the call over to Bob Miles, Executive Vice President, Corporate Development.
4: Thank you, Brian. Good morning, everyone. As Brian indicated, energy transition is a key component of our growth strategy and the driving force behind many of our recent project announcements. Before I jump into the specifics of some of these recent announcements, I wanted to provide a quick overview of our energy transition strategy. This strategy can be broken down into three key components, renewable generation, clean fuels and energy storage. Overall, our energy transition strategy is focused on increasing Canadian utilities prominence in the transition to cleaner, lower emitting sources of energy as part of global decarbonization goals. This includes actively seeking out opportunities that capitalize on the key trends shaping global energy markets, notably decarbonization. Our knowledge and experience across the energy value chain and our strong commitment in corporate values provides us to drive value for our customers. As Brian alluded to in his capital discussion, we made significant progress on the renewable generation leg of this strategy in the third quarter with the announcement of three new solar developments. Once completed, these developments are expected to generate enough renewable electricity to power more than 29,000 homes and offset 111,000 tons of carbon a year. Acquiring these shovel-ready projects allows us to quickly execute on low-risk solar developments, establishing credibility with our customers, and generating cash and earnings starting in 2022. Collectively, these projects represent a significant step forward in the build-out of our renewable generation portfolio and more importantly, will help our customers decarbonize their own operations through improved access to renewable energy in the Alberta market. While these specific investments are located in Alberta, our renewable generation strategy is global and we continue to assess similar investments in other jurisdictions. Additionally, bite-sized and rapidly executable projects like these provide near-term earnings and cash flow Uh, cash flow growth while we continue to pursue larger and longer lead-time initiatives, including commercial-scale hydrogen production. Shifting to the clean fuels component of our strategy, we continue to view hydrogen and renewable natural gas as critical players in the successful decarbonization of our energy system over the longer term. In addition to their primary emission reduction benefits, hydrogen and renewable natural gas have the potential to utilize existing natural gas infrastructure in North America, reducing both the time and cost requirements of decarbonization and the energy transition. Many of you will recall us speaking about our renewable natural gas project near Two Hills, Alberta. This facility will utilize organic and agricultural waste from nearby communities to produce approximately 230,000 gigajoules per year of RNG, enough renewable natural gas to fuel 2500 homes while the scale of this project is smaller than some of the hydrogen opportunities we're pursuing and we'll discuss momentarily this project and others like it are critical to our larger clean fuel strategy it serves as a blueprint for other rapid executable projects in various jurisdictions and similar to our solar opportunities provides near-term earnings and cash flows to support the ongoing development of larger initiatives. Pushing further onto the horizon, we continue to advance our previously announced hydrogen projects in Canada and Australia. This includes both our near-term blending projects and the longer-term development of our hydrogen production facilities. While we can't provide specific details at this time, planning and early engineering for the development of our clean hydrogen production facility at ATCO's Heartland Energy Centre with Suncor continues to progress. We are also working closely with provincial and federal governments to explore de-risking opportunities for this project and to ensure that sufficient support structures are in place for a project of this scale to be successful. This project will significantly advance Alberta's hydrogen strategy and Canada's net-zero ambitions as a whole. Once completed, this world-class project is expected to produce more than 300,000 tons per year of clean hydrogen and reduce Alberta's CO2 emissions by more than 2 million tons per year. In Australia, we continue to advance Western Australia's first commercial-scale green hydrogen production facility in conjunction with our joint venture partner, Australian Gas Infrastructure Group, referred to as the Clean Energy innovation park with the planned 10 megawatt electrolyzer this park will be capable of producing up to 4.6 tons of hydrogen per day and will utilize renewable power from an existing co-located 180 megawatt wind farm this park will also house related storage infrastructure and provide delivery to the natural gas system injection points and developing transportation and power applications Lastly, I wanted to briefly touch on the importance of energy storage in our existing portfolio and our overall energy transition strategy. While energy storage is critical to the existing operations of our energy system, we believe its importance will grow as the world decarbonizes. Energy storage is a key piece of the puzzle as we look to develop industrial-scale clean hydrogen. It supports the diversification of industry within the province including support for our critical petrochemical industry. And it helps support peaking electricity demand as intermittent renewables make up a larger and larger component of our generation systems. I'll now pass the call over to Brian for any final comments.
3: Thank you, Bob. Um, as these ongoing initiatives highlight, decarbonization, not only for our operations but for our customer operations through improved access to clean energy is a key growth area for our business across our segments we're investing in projects now that allow us to further our expertise and expand our market reach as energy transition objectives globally continue to mature this will help us ensure that we continue to continue to be leaders in the key energy spaces including hydrogen and renewable natural gas and that we have a seat at the table on key energy transition topics moving forward. All in all, Canadian Utilities carried momentum from the first half of 2021 into a strong third quarter, and we'll continue to drive for top-tier performance as we look to close out the 2021 year. That concludes my prepared remarks, and I will now turn the call back to Colin.
2: Thank you, Bob and Brian. In the interest of time, we ask that you limit yourself to two questions. If you have additional questions, you are welcome to rejoin the queue. I will turn it back over to the conference coordinator now for questions.
1: Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw from the question queue, please press star then two. Webcast participants are welcome to click on the submit question tab near the top of the webcast frame and type their question. The Canadian Utilities Investor Relations team will follow up with you by email after the call. Once again, anyone on the conference call who wishes to ask a question may press star one at this time. The first question comes from Maurice Choi with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
5: Thank you and good morning. Uh, my first question is just picking up on the solar development projects uh, you've announced three so far. Uh, can you help us quantify what the total construction cost is? And more broadly, um, as as Bob has alluded to, there's obviously a, a wide ranging uh, amount of opportunities on and transition. Is there a preferred level, let's call it percentage of earnings that you like uh, these renewables, uh, the clean fuels as well as energy storage to represent in your total earnings?
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
3: Thank you, Maurice, for your question. Um, Maybe I'll I'll start it off and I'll I'll turn it over to Bob. You know, as as for capital investment, I think Bob would allude to that we're just in the the stages of completing our more of our detailed engineering and assessments, um, and in terms of, of earnings, um, as I mentioned before, we we look to contract a, a good portion of our of our production out of these facilities, and and that kind of alludes to the type of returns we're looking for. We're looking for stable earnings, and um, you know, less exposure to to merchant. Um, So when you look at our utility earnings um, in terms of the risk levels, obviously these solars might carry a little bit more risk, but with the merchant exposure low, uh, again, it would be kind of comparable to what we would have in our utility space. And maybe with that, I'll I'll turn it over to Bob just to give a little more details on on the capital, where they're at in terms of the project execution, and, and then kind of how
4: that fits in the overall strategy. Sure. Thanks, Brian. And thanks for that. Maurice, a couple couple comments I'd make. One is just strategically what we're trying to do is in our energy transition strategy is keep a balance between those three pillars, being energy storage, renewables, and clean fuels. But the what what we're seeing is that the size of our clean fuels, hydrogen projects are significantly more than in some of the other pillars. So we're going to see over... The the longer-term horizon, probably the earnings driven from our hydrogen projects will drive higher earnings, just from the size of the projects. With regards to specifically on these solar projects, we're still in the development of our capital estimates. So we're we're still a ways away from finalizing that, but we're having um, pretty extensive discussions with off-takers for the for the solar power from these facilities, so it's been very very encouraging discussions to date.
5: And just to follow up on on, on that question, so is there like a targeted mix between utilities and what's called energy transition type investments that that you're targeting over the long term?
3: Yeah, I guess in terms of targeting, um, you know, we we're looking to diversify and, and clean. Um, energy and energy transition is, is definitely part of our long-term growth strategy as we, we look to diversify. And we see, as Bob mentioned in his, in his opening remarks, um, there is significant opportunities for Canadian utilities to play a lead role in the energy transition. And, and, and that, you know, I think what you see in the third quarter, some of the projects that have kicked off is just example of us executing on that strategy mm-hmm. We have a number of bite-sized projects that are shovel-ready that, um, you know, as Bob mentioned, is, is nicely fitting into the, the gap between our, our longer-lead uh, projects, such as the hydrogen development and uh, Central West pumped Hydro. So you know, it's a balance, and we'll be optu- optimistic as well as, as opportunities rise. But again, I, I would, other than the guidance to say that I, I think we would look to continue to expand um, the clean fuels and renewable energy are part of our portfolio and, and have the proper balance between, I guess, um, long-term contracted opportunities longer with that longer lead in green development projects.
5: Understood. And, and maybe it's to finish off, um, I, I suppose, as I think about the vast opportunities that you obviously have, are you funding everything? Pretty much just on your balance sheet, or are you seeking to say recycle some of these capital in the assets, or are you um, finding other ways to fund this? Like, how should I think about how big of a capital you you seek to invest here?
3: Yeah, great question. And you know, in in the short term, we'd look to kind of balance sheet finance these projects, but. Um, we would look to wrap it up later on and with some other financing vehicles once we get some scale and, and look to project finance um, a good chunk of these projects. In the meantime, we'll, um, we have ample cash balances to deploy to, and credit facilities to fund the short-term nature. But, yes, we would look to find financing vehicles that would um, kind of marry up with
4: the, the long-term contractability of these projects.
6: Thank you very much.
1: The next question comes from Ben Fam with BMO. Please go ahead.
7: Hi, thanks. I want to, a couple of questions on on the on carbon uh, project. Um, do, do you think the, the the carbon opportunity in in Alberta, the whole value chain, it's it's just going to be so robust that it's it's mostly a, a winners market share situation? You, you expect winners and losers out of this, and how do you how do you or or someone else uh, differentiate that that project for setters
3: yeah gr- great question ben and and maybe what i'll do is i'll i'll um first that question over to bob S-
4: thanks ben uh, my, my views on that is i think there there are significant opportunities in Alberta, but as we indicated in our announcement back in May with our partnership with Suncor, there are a number of things that have to have to happen and get resolved whether it's you know the regulatory environment the you know the carbon emissions regulations things like that have to occur to to allow these projects to to proceed so i think that's the first thing that really has to get resolved and we're spending a lot of time working in that area I I'd say I'd say the other thing is we as industry really have to come together and, and partner on some of these opportunities. I think you're seeing a lot of that happening now. I think you need to see more of that going forward. So so I, I think there's great opportunities, but there's still work to be done.
1: Okay, that's great.
7: That's those are my I think it took more than two questions. Thank you.
1: The next question comes from Alinda Azergalis with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Thank you.
6: Um, Just a follow-up question on your partnership with Suncor. Is it possible to provide, realizing that there might be a a very large range, what the bookends of the size of the investment might be, um, not just as a function of the project itself, but also maybe what, you know, depending on what level of ownership range you would consider, whether it be uh, solely with Suncor or potentially bringing other partners in, including potentially the government? Can you talk about? Um, what might be possible in terms of magnitude. That would be very helpful.
4: Sure, Linda, Um, I'll take that, Bob here. I think you you hit exactly on the points that we're pursuing within industry right now. And and this project we announced with Suncor is a multi-billion dollar project, but we're already having discussions with other parties around how we can combine it with other initiatives that are are being pursued in the industry. And and that that to me is very encouraging that we're working together. Um, I can't tell you that we have anything fully defined as of yet, but discussions are occurring as we speak.
6: Thank you. And and just to understand the timeline of of milestones, um, you know, recognizing that it would be great if you could get FID by 2024, um, you know, when might we see certain milestones have to be met in order to achieve that timeline, Um, you know, and and if you could give us any sense of of what you think might be possible in terms of uh, getting uh, regulatory certainty from the governments, for example, um, you know, um, when might you need to uh, potentially lock in uh, those commercial attributes, um, even just conceptually uh, in order to reach that realizing there's a lot of uh, complexity in the various work streams, any sort of, um, understanding of how this might um, progress would be uh, very helpful.
4: Yeah, Linda, we have a, a very detailed plan for for this project, but you're, you're absolutely correct is 2024 is when we set, beginning of 2024. For when we need to have our final investment decision and that's just to allow us sufficient time to have construction completed by the end of 2027 that's the timeline we have and so i, I do think it's achievable but from now to 2024 we've got a very detailed plan of things that have to happen um you know we're, we're working with other parties going back to your first question one of the challenges around Trying to involve too many parties in a project is you know we we have to lock down the project and the design in order for us to hit our twenty seven twenty twenty seven construction date so so that's one of the challenges we have we we've had a lot of great discussions with with governments I think there's a lot of support you know obviously this the election that we had federally kind of put things a little bit on hold until the outcome of that happened, but you know discussions are already happening again with, with government. So, uh, so I'm encouraged that we're going to be able to do that. But we have decision points. It's not just waiting till 2024. There's there's things that are happening throughout that process that we we want to be able to to determine before we we proceed. So, hopefully that helps, Linda.
6: Yes, Yes. thank you. It gives us some, some better understanding. Um, and as a follow-up uh, question, more broad beyond uh, that specific project, I'm wondering how you might think of um, accelerating potentially uh, your energy transition journey by considering acquisitions, whether it be to acquire uh, certain capabilities and certain new technologies or geographies or um, um, just uh, outright uh, achieving scale? And, and I guess it's a bit of a, um, alludes a bit to uh, an earlier question around a uh, business long-term, what might be possible.
4: Linda, Bob here again. Um, I, I, I agree that that's something we're definitely evaluating as acquisitions. Um, I would say just though with regards to technology, we are really agnostic on technology. We want to be open-minded to all different technologies and whatever the best technology is, we'll pursue it. Even if you take a look at our sun, our project with Suncor, we're very willing to look at different technologies as long as it's providing a, a you know clean hydrogen at the end of the day. So, but with regards to advancing our energy transition strategy, we we are considering acquisitions in that process as well.
6: Thank you. Any sort of guardrails around? Um- uh, what what might be possible in terms of scale or risk attributes?
3: <clears throat> Maybe I'll, I'll take that one, Linda. In terms of scale, um, you know, in addition, addition to pursuing organic growth, I think opportunistic M and A is 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 helpful. It, you know, I think for scale, um, we want to make sure it's it's balanced with our overall portfolio of investments. So I don't know if it give you a lot of guidance on on that. I don't think we would be looking at large acquisition. It would have to be something very strategic, but we think there's a lot of bite-size a out there that could be
4: very supportive for our strategy. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. The next question comes from Mark Charvey with CIBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
7: Thanks, good morning everyone. Um, maybe let's continue on with the uh, clean energy initiatives, so you talked about the acquisitions, the ongoing efforts in Alberta, just updated views in terms of organic growth opportunities around clean energy, whether it's renewables, RNG, outside of Canada, whether it's Australia, the US, or Latin America, like is, is that something we should be anticipating there'll be more announcements in coming quarters, or is that something you feel like is going to take a while to sort of bring about?
3: And maybe I'll start off and I'll turn over the ball. But yes, we are looking at other jurisdictions, but with that, we want to be very focused. We don't want to spread ourselves too too broad and and really focus on those markets that we see value and supportive regulatory and government support. So maybe with that, Bob, I'll, I'll any any further
4: that. Sure, Mark. Um, I agree totally with what Brian just said. We really need to stay focused, but we're spending a lot of time right now not only looking at, I'm going to call it our own backyard here in Canada, but also in Chile and in Australia. So a lot of efforts are going into evaluating our energy transition you know, in the areas of clean fuels and renewables in both of those jurisdictions.
7: Got it. And then maybe just a, a more detailed question on, on the Australian distribution utility, uh, you highlighted a couple of factors that drove the year over year results. Can you kind of split that apart in terms of you know, the inflation adjuster impacts versus sort of volume on favorable weather? And then maybe just broadly um, how you're seeing that business evolve. Like it seemed it was, it was slowing a little bit, but now just curious on connections and growth. outlook look for that business on top of our uh, potential.
3: Yeah, certainly I, I could do that. and. You know, I think we referenced that in our in our second quarter call where we we saw the you know, I guess positive development on I guess return to more stable levels of CPI and, and for Australia and, and you know, just for information, every ten basis points translates to about a million dollars. And I think year to date, I think we're up about six million dollars related to the, the kind of the positive CPI development. And, and and the rest of the earnings increase is really driven by that, that low growth. Yeah, and we are seeing, um, you know, very favorable growth in, in demand for, for gas in Australia. Um, you know, I, I think beyond that, I, I think we're going to continue to see hopefully continued um, gas gr- growth in terms of demand. Um, we have an access arrangement that's coming up in a couple of years that we'll have to pay attention to, including a kind of a a cost of capital review. And that's a lot of part of our business right now is is going to be focusing on getting prepared for that next access arrangement.
7: That's helpful. Thanks for taking my question.
1: Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then one. The next question comes from Andrew Kuski with Credit Suisse. Please go ahead.
7: Thank you, good morning. Uh, you know, I know it's a small part of the business, but it's a big opportunity. And you've got an interesting position in both Australia and Canada on the hydrogen side. And so maybe you could just give us a bit of perspective on you know, the framework positioning that both of the countries have. And, and you know, maybe this applies to both baseball and cricket. So what inning uh, do you believe each country's in for development of hydrogen strategies? And
4: really, how does that translate through to CU at the end? Andrew, Bob here. That's a very, very interesting question. You know, I have to think about it, but I I would say that Australia has been pursuing the, and I'm going to use the renewable generation, you know, I know that wasn't your question, but I'm going to start with that because they've been pursuing renewable generation much longer than we have in Canada. And with that comes clean hydrogen in the form of green hydrogen. And so they've I'd say they're probably more. They've been looking at this longer than Canada has. But I would I would say from what I'm seeing is Canada is going a lot faster than Australia is right now. So um, par- part of me feels that we're actually pulling ahead in Canada. I'm also spending a lot of time looking at different export opportunities for for hydrogen for ammonia. And you know, looking at Southeast Asia, and if you're not to get into the weeds on this, but when you look at Australia, it's definitely closer to Southeast Asia. But there's incredible amounts of interest from Southeast Asia into the Canada hydrogen market right now, and I think a lot of it is, is because of the, the the pace at which we're we're developing hydrogen projects here in Canada. So I, I, I I'd like to think that. Going back to your baseball, I'll use baseball, not cricket, but use your baseball analogy. I'd say that Canada is probably getting into the, the later parts of the game, and I'd still say Australia is still early on with regards to larger projects. Hopefully, that helps.
7: That does. That, that, that's very helpful context. And then the follow-up is really to Brian, and, and you know, from a top of the house view, when you think of. Some of these energy, trans, energy, energy transition business opportunities that exist, you know, generally from a market standpoint, they, they garner a higher multiple. So how do you think about just this dynamic of these businesses, you know, providing incremental growth where growth hasn't really been there in the last few years from a top of the house perspective to, to the same degree as it was in the past? Um, they also has higher multiple growth. So, I guess, how do you think about just capital being allocated to these businesses in that kind kind of context?
3: yeah, no no great question and and I agree with you that you know we, we do see these opportunities attracting higher multiples, and I think foundationally we we keep um, our house clean in terms of we have a very strong, stable, and foundational business and the utilities that drive good returns and cash flows that give us the opportunity to invest in this energy transition. And as Bob alluded to, again, I think there's ample opportunities. We're going to stay very focused and make sure that we approach these opportunities with a balance. And, um, you know, when we we look to contract some of the the, uh, production, that we have a a right balance of long contracted um, offtakes, and, um, you know, really see us conserving cash, but have decent growth in our utility business, but really put that growth into these um, energy transition. And again, I think there's ample opportunity there. And, and um, you know, I, I suggest very similar to what you see it. I think there's, it drives higher multiples down the road. And I think there's great opportunities in front of us for Canadian Utilities.
7: Okay, that's great. Thank you very much.
1: this concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Colin Jackson for any closing remarks.
2: Thank you, operator. And thank you all for participating today. We appreciate your interest in Canadian utilities and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. I will turn it back to the operator.
1: Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating,
0: and have a pleasant day. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for 4 dollars each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone.